There is a massive criminal case I have become obsessed with, and it's not the one you're probably thinking about. It all started with jury duty. I got a court summons last week, which I hate to admit I wasn't too thrilled about. Yes, I know it's my civic duty, but this was taking me away from other things I do, like, you know, hosting this show. So anyway, I did show up to federal court in D.C., and I was not thinking about this special trial I was summoned for. I was just wondering how long I'd have to be there. And then the judge revealed what this case was about, which apparently was all over the news. One of the founders of the hip-hop group Fugees is facing a multi-million dollar fraud and conspiracy charge, or several charges. The Grammy Award winner, Pras Michelle, is accused of using stolen cash to make illegal political contributions. Yeah, Pras of the Fugees. So I sat in a courtroom with about 100 other potential jurors as the judge asked us questions. Questions like, do we know any of these people personally, or would their reputation bias us? People who are going to be either potential witnesses or just might come up during the trial. People including Leonardo DiCaprio, Steve Bannon, Rudy Giuliani, Kim Kardashian. What? I kept a poker face, but my mind was racing. Like, what was this even about? How were all of these people connected? But I could not ask anyone. The judge ordered us not to consume any news about the trial, let alone talk about it. So I sat for three days in a courtroom, waiting to be interviewed as a potential juror. That never even happened. On the third day, they selected other people for the jury, and they let me go. Which is why I can talk about this case now, and why I could finally ask all of my burning questions. Lucky for me, I work at The Post, so I turned to criminal justice editor Matt Zapatosky. So, Matt, beyond all the celebrities in this and the intrigue, why should any of us be paying attention to this trial? So I think we should be paying attention to this trial because it's a real test of whether the government, the U.S. government, can hold accountable its citizens who benefited from one of the greatest thefts in, the, in world history. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Monday, April 3rd. Today, I talk with Matt about the trial of former Fuji's rapper Praz Michelle and how it's connected to this complex financial scandal that involves $4.5 billion of stolen funds from the Malaysian government. Matt, remind us, tell us, who is the defendant in this trial? Okay, so the defendant is a guy named Praz Michel, which um, might not mean anything to anybody just on the name, but he was a member of this rap group called the Fugees, and names that might resonate more with people would be like Lauren Hill, who was a part of that, Wyclef John, who was a part of that. They were very popular in the 90s. Um, the song that I remember the most of theirs is Killing Me Softly. Yes, that was a great one. <laughs> Ready or Not, I also oh, love that not. song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ready or not, refugee taking over. Super popular group in the in the 90s. Yes, and this guy was a part of that. He might not have been as well known as Wyclef Jean and Lauren Hill, but he was a part of that. Eventually, they break up and he um, embarks on a solo career that was not familiar to me, but that's, that's who is on trial right now. And so what 
has Praz been charged with by the government? It's very convoluted, but the technical charges are conspiracy, money laundering, um, acting as a foreign agent in the U.S., witness tampering. It all stems from... I'll try to say this as simply as possible. It stems from this scandal where Malaysian government officials raided a fund that their country controlled, kind of used it as a personal piggy bank, tried to launder the money in the U.S., and then enlisted people in the U.S., pros included, to try to cover up everything that they had done, to try to thwart Justice Department investigations into what they had done. I I do remember when this blew up because it was a really big deal, right? Yeah, it was huge, like a historically big deal. Um, at, at its core, the folks here involved are accused of stealing $4.5 billion with a B dollars from this Malaysian government-controlled fund that was supposed to be used for economic development to benefit its citizens. Instead, prosecutors allege it benefited a very small number of people who were in charge. Um, and the money is just everywhere. I mean, they, they took it out. Um, they used it to fund films in the U.S., um, to buy property, artwork, and the amount of money is just so massive. This has been going on for years. When I covered the Justice Department starting in 2016, one of the first big things I covered was the Justice Department using this process called civil asset forfeiture to go after the proceeds of Wolf of Wall Street, which was funded, the Justice Department alleged, by this month. So you listen to me and you listen well. Are you behind on your credit card bills? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. So the movie Wolf of Wall Street, allegedly funded by the stolen money from a Malaysian economic development fund. Correct, yeah. And start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. Matt, can you tell me a little bit more about where this money comes from? Yeah, so um, the money in this fund, it's a fund called 1MDB. I almost think of it like a government-controlled company that sells bonds and does investment work to try to grow itself and benefit the Malaysian people. But instead of that happening... Um, prosecutors allege that top government officials and their associates just stole from this and and spent it on, you know, their personal whims and desires. But this scandal led to the prime minister, the now former prime minister of Malaysia, getting charged and going to jail. Not in the U.S., over in Malaysia, where he allegedly, you know, stole from this fund. But it had really sweeping tentacles, you know, from the jump, long before we knew about Praz, this had, this sort of strained the diplomatic relationship between the U.S. and Malaysia. Malaysia is an ally. Um, It roiled that country's politics. Um, It really has had far-reaching tentacles, and it's continued just for years and years and years. Okay, so, I'm sorry, I just, like, my mind is going in a thousand different directions, (laughs) But, but I get it. It's this massive scandal, and so, do prosecutors allege that Praz, this former rapper from the Fugees, is one of the central key characters of this big scandal? Like, who's at the center of this? He wasn't the architect by any stretch. And there are so many offshoots that we probably can't get into them all here. But the key guy to know is a guy named Jolo, who is this sort of mysterious Malaysian figure 
who orchestrates almost every piece of this. He's accused of trying to cover this up, um, accused of receiving stolen money. Um, among many Americans that he connects with, he connects with Praz. And Praz's role is a little more narrow. But in sum, prosecutors allege he tries to use this money to ingratiate himself in the Obama administration, to sort of funnel campaign donations to the Obama administration in amounts that are legally acceptable, though he's the source of it all, so it's not. Low is. Yeah, Lowe is the original source of all of this money. And what is alleged is that Praz is involved in trying to cover up that this is actually foreign money flowing into a U.S. campaign. Separately, he's accused of this really outlandish scheme to get this Chinese dissident deported, which Jolo thought would help him in some way. It's very confusing, but to, the short answer to your question is, Praz is not at the center of this necessarily, but he's one of these people who Jolo enlists to try to ingratiate himself in U.S. politics and get this investigation shut down. Tell me more about Jolo. Like, who? where is he from? What is what is his story? How did he end up in this situation? Yeah, I think even prosecutors would like to know more about Jolo. Jolo is this Malaysian guy, a little bit mysterious, but who shows up on the scene with the American sort of social scene with a ton of money. He starts partying with celebrities. He's helping their various business ventures. He's connected to all sorts of people. Leonardo DiCaprio is maybe the most famous, but also Kim Kardashian. Wait, how is he connected to, to Kim Kardashian? This was a question I had when her name came up. So Kim Kardashian is among the many celebrities that Jolo kind of parties with. I think famously, he gives her then-fiancé, Chris Humphreys. I did not have Chris Humphreys on this bingo card. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Chris Humphreys, you know, the former uh, Washington Wizards player who's famous for participating in Kim's show. Um, he gives him $100,000 to pay for fireworks at Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys' wedding which was like a big reality TV moment, that wedding. On behalf of Kim and Chris and their respective families, I want to welcome you to the celebration of marriage. So Jolo is connected to that moment. Yes, in that he um, financed the fireworks for that moment, allegedly. Okay, so he's partying in the United States, you know, hobnobbing with all these different celebrities. How did he start using his money, as prosecutors say, to and are alleging to to influence spheres of power? There's kind of phases of this. And the first phase is sort of a money laundering phase, the way prosecutors tell it. He's taking this stolen money and putting it in sort of legitimate U.S. business ventures to make it look clean. But flash forward more to the aspect that Praz is involved after he gets under investigation for the alleged stealing of the money, after he and many others come under investigation for that, and the laundering of the money, he wants to try to shut that investigation down. And one of the ways he sees to do that is to ingratiate himself in U.S. politics. So he hooks up with Praz. I think they meet at a nightclub in New York City. Um, and he, the way prosecutors tell it, he gives Praz money that he wants to funnel into 
then-President Obama's re-election campaign. So he gives Praz a ton of money. There are rules about how much any person can donate to the president. So Praz enlists, the way prosecutors tell it, what are called straw donors. He gives them the money that Jolo has given him, allegedly. They try to donate it in legal amounts to President Obama's re-election campaign. But of course, because all this money emanates from one person, prosecutors say this is illegal. It's a scheme called straw donations. And would it be illegal because the money is coming from a person who's not an American? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because the original source of this, prosecutors allege, is low, is foreign money. And Praz, they allege, you know, orchestrates or participates in this cover-up, funneling it through other people to really disguise the source. That's the crime here that uh, the prosecutors allege, that this is foreign money and Praz essentially disguised it by using these kind of straw donors. And Matt, how much money do prosecutors say is involved in the Praz Michelle piece of of this big financial scandal? So just in the Praz Michelle piece of this, they say that he got over $70 million from Lowe. And there's kind of the two pieces here. There's the money that um, Praz and Broidy allegedly get for lobbying to get a Chinese dissident deported from the country. And then there's the campaign finance piece of this. That's a little bit smaller, though big in the scope of campaign finance things. They say that Praz got $2 million, which was then sort of chopped up and, and funneled through. Okay, tell me about the connection to the Trump White House here, because when I was hearing some of the names of the possible witnesses, I was hearing names like Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon. How How is the Trump White House involved in this or connected to this? So again, now we're in the period where the investigation is long underway. The investigation into Lowe. In, into Lowe, into the theft of the money and the I laundering see. of the money. And uh, by prosecutors telling, Jolo is now trying to just end this thing, just get this investigation off his plate. So he enlists people to start lobbying the Trump White House. Perhaps the most famous or important to this effort is a guy named Elliot Broidy, who is a prominent Republican player. Um, It was once the deputy finance chair for the RNC. The way prosecutors tell it, he gets enlisted by Jolo to lobby the Trump White House. That's illegal because you're not supposed to lobby on behalf of foreign nationals. Broidy is actually charged in this case because you're not allowed to lobby the administration on behalf of a foreign national. He pleads guilty, but then in this huge swath of pardons that Trump does right before he leaves office, he makes it go away for Broidy. Why is Lowe not standing trial? Uh, Lowe, nobody knows where he is. People suspect he is in China. He actually has a spokesperson who will periodically issue statements asserting his innocence, but he's not on trial. He is charged. Um, He's not on trial because, you know, he's not here in the U.S., as best anyone can tell. Is Praz the only person charged who is connected to this bigger case against Lowe? Oh, they've charged a bunch of other people. And Praz's piece of this, again, is kind of connected to the to the politics, to the campaign finance, to the lobbying. He's connected to Broidy. Um, 
that's the prize piece of it. But they've charged people at Goldman Sachs who they allege were involved in this. They've charged Lowe. He's abroad. As I mentioned, they charged Broidy. They charged a woman who who worked with Broidy. A lot of people have been charged in connection with the scandal. And separate of the charges, the U.S. has moved to seize a lot of assets in civil proceedings too. So it's not as if Praz is just the easy target who's here. He's just one Mm. of many branches of this. Matt, I know Praz Michel has pleaded not guilty to these charges. Can you tell me what is his defense against these accusations? On the campaign finance piece, his defense in a nutshell is, look, I'm just a, a former rapper. I don't know about campaign finance laws. I didn't know that this was illegal. He separately is charged in connection, I mentioned, with this very convoluted plot to um, uh, extradite or send back to China this dissident who was staying in the United States. And his defense there is, I wasn't doing that on behalf of China. I was doing that because I thought that would benefit the United States in some way. But in a nutshell, he's sort of saying, you know, I'm a bit player here and didn't even really have a good sense of what was going on. I certainly wasn't intending to break any laws or violate, you know, um, violate any of my duties as an American. And what do prosecutors say about Praz? How have they characterized him? Well, prosecutors say he is not a dupe. They, you know, they have alleged that he has actually tried to intimidate some of the witnesses who um, he allegedly funneled money through to get to the Obama campaign. You know, they cast him as a very involved player here. And their arc of him is that he kind of, after his Fuji's career ends, he falls a little bit on hard times and is looking for money. And that's how, that's where he gets connected to some of these folks. And... Could Praz face prison time for this? Oh, sure. The charges against him are quite serious. You know, uh, witness tampering is quite serious. Money laundering is quite serious. Um, if it were isolated to maybe just the foreign agents thing, perhaps not. But the case is somewhat bigger than that. So, yeah, he certainly theoretically could. There's a couple of steps between now and then. He'd have to be convicted at trial. He says he's innocent. A judge would have to find that those crimes are worthy of prison time, but certainly it's a possibility. After the break, we piece together how all of these celebrities and political figures fit into this massive scandal. We'll be right back. Matt, when I was sitting in the courtroom and lawyers are listing off names of people who might be witnesses or their names might be mentioned in the case, you know, these names I was hearing was like Alicia Keys, Swiss Beats, Paris Hilton. And because I couldn't like for three days look anything up, (laughs) I'm just sitting there wondering, how are all these people connected to this? Do you know the answer to that? Essentially, it's through Lowe. You know, Lowe in the U.S. was partying, was lavishing money on these people, letting some of these people, Leo, for example, gamble on his tab. That's how Gamble on his tab? Like, Yeah, in other words, he gave, allegedly gave Leonardo DiCaprio money and Leonardo DiCaprio gambled with that money. I see. I guess what's also interesting to me about this is that famous people 
or people in positions of high power, it, it doesn't, if someone just arrives with tons of money, they can, you know, quickly find themselves in the epicenter of power, in the epicenters of power, both politically and culturally. And all of a sudden you're having people now connected to this thing and, and they had no idea that any of this was going on. Right. And Leonardo DiCaprio, I think he he had a, a an interest in making and getting movies made. And so here comes along this wealthy Malaysian businessman who can help in those ventures. And, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's people has said, and I, and I think this is an important point to drive because prosecutors, I think, agree with this. Once they realized there was something amiss with Jolo and the people around him, who are, some of whom have also been charged— they cooperated with federal prosecutors, and Leonardo DiCaprio is not considered, you know, a, um, a a person who could potentially be charged in this investigation. He's considered very much a witness because, like you say, he's just a celebrity who's, you know, rubbing elbows with rich people quite frequently. To him, initially, Jolo is just another rich person who can help movies get made. And then, by his account, once things start to go south, once he starts to realize oh, this money might not be gotten on the up and up, by his account, he starts to cooperate with prosecutors. And and Matt, did Leonardo DiCaprio testify? Is he going to testify as part of Pros Michelle's trial? Yeah, he actually took the stand today. We had a reporter there, a couple reporters there, trying to catch him going in and out. It seems nobody caught him going into the courthouse, so it's a little mis mysterious how he got in. As of this moment, our reporters are still digesting and writing what um, writing what he said. But I'd stress again, as I, as I think I have, or I'd stress that he is just a witness in this case. He's not on trial himself, and his people have said that he has been trying to cooperate, and this is kind of an example of that. Matt, can you tell me a little bit more about the sort of chronologically, I think of this as like the second piece of all of this, which was when Trump was in office and there were allegedly lobbying efforts being undertaken to return a dissident to China? Yeah, the dissident plot is a little hard to follow and, and sort of an offshoot of this, but it's germane to this case. So Jolo, by prosecutors telling, looking to curry favor with China. And one of the ways he wants to do that is getting this guy, Wenji Guo, who's in the United States, sent back to China because China wants to get their hands on him. But he needs cooperation from actual U.S. administration officials. So by prosecutors telling, he connects with Broidy and Michelle to try to lobby the Trump administration to make this happen. They sign agreements where... Broidy is going to get a huge payout if they make this happen. He's going to get paid either way. It ultimately doesn't end up happening. Guo is not returned to China. In fact, Guo is now himself charged in a separate case. Okay, um, so that's like a separate... But it, but it's sort of relevant because prosecutors say that Michelle and Broidy were acting as agents of a foreign government, and that is illegal. So that is one of the crimes at issue here. And where is Broidy? Um, where, where is he in, in, fitting into this current case? Broidy right now, right now as, I, as I mentioned, has been pardoned for his involvement in this, but he could testify as a government witness about what occurred here. In all of these things, it's kind of important to note, there's no allegation that 
Trump did anything wrong, that Obama did anything wrong. This is, by prosecutors telling Jolo using his money and other people like Broidy and like Michelle to seek to influence these proceedings. But it ultimately ends up not really going anywhere. And Pras Michelle is also charged with witness tampering. What, what's that about? Yeah, the witness tampering uh, is that he is alleged to have sort of sat on one of these people that he used as a straw donor to prevent them from cooperating with prosecutors' investigation. I mean, Matt, I, I understand this is like so complex. It's a, a very tangled web right now of all these different elements. Like there's the straw donation element of it. And then there's this other element of trying to lean on the government and the White House to return a Chinese dissident and just generally, like, curry favor. I'm wondering beyond the, like, spectacle of all this with those elements and then all of these celebrities and high-profile, like, political figures all kind of wrapped up into this somehow, one way or the other— why is the Justice Department spending so many resources on trying this case? Like, why does this trial matter beyond just the spectacle of it all? So I think at its core, what this case is about and what all the offshoot cases are about is the Justice Department trying to hold people accountable for what they describe as this massive theft from the Malaysian people. You know, that's what started this all. And everything else is sort of flows from that. And the Justice Department feels like they have an interest in doing that, particularly when U.S. citizens are involved. Like some people, I think, when this case first came around years ago, sort of questioned, what is the Justice Department doing? Isn't this between... Malaysia and its prosecutors, the Justice Department says, well, no, we have kind of a responsibility to police when, you know, assets are pilfered from foreign governments, especially when they make their way into the U.S., which the Justice Department said what's happening. So that's what I think their overriding interest is. Subsidiary to that, the Justice Department really doesn't like it when you try to shut down their investigations. And in this case, that's what they allege was happening, that there was somebody who was willing to spend a lot of money, not on lawyers who are going to stand up and be aggressive in court, but on people who are going to take nefarious routes to try to shut down an investigation. So the Justice Department is also, you know, has a vested interest in, in trying to stop that sort of conduct, they would argue. So Matt, what, what happens next now that I'm not able to just spend every day sitting in a jury box <laughs> watching this trial unfold. What should we all be watching out for? So this is going to be a weeks-long trial. You know, one of the things we're looking for, just as a matter of public curiosity, is what if any celebrities show up and testify in this? Um, at the end of the day, the kind of significant thing we're looking for, which again is weeks from now, is like, can the government hold someone accountable for what they allege is all this wrongdoing at trial. In this case, what we have seen time and time again is people have just pleaded guilty. You know, the government hmm. never has really been forced to go into court and prove some of this stuff. And these are white-collar kind of complicated crimes. As you can tell, it's been a little bit challenging even for me to explain. And prosecutors will be challenged to explain that uh, to a jury, a jury that you apparently um, could have served on. Well, thanks for joining us to unpack it for me. And I will be watching it attentively. And I appreciate you uh, <laughs> satisfying all my curiosity about it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
Matt Zapatosky is a criminal justice editor at The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. A special shout out to Jury Duty. It is a civic duty. Show up. You never know what you're going to hear. If you want to show your support for my co-host, Martine Powers, you can actually do that this month. On April 13th, Martine will be live in conversation with best-selling author Curtis Sittenfeld. Her latest novel is Romantic Comedy, and it tells the story of a late-night comedy writer's search for love. You can get tickets for the event in Washington, D.C. at sixthandi.org. We'll also have more details in our show notes. We hope to see you there, and there will be a live stream option in case you cannot make it to D.C. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 